You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I had a great weekend. Uh, I oh, got good. to go out and uh, celebrate my buddy Gibbles and Bits's bachelor party. Oh, I saw the pick in the Discord, man. I saw I saw a little pick, little pick. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. We uh, we had a really great time. Uh, got a uh, Airbnb, like big house, uh, out in. Uh, Kind of the like rural Virginia, but out by like a lake, and nice. uh, it was just beautiful, amazing weather. Uh, we actually got to play some disc golf, do an escape room, hang out. Wait, you didn't ex- you don't know, you work play for some an yard escape room during the day? Like that's that's or during the night? That's like your night job is is escape room, and then you did one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I mean, we both like to play them. That's how we ended up uh, working at an escape room for fun. Yeah, but that's is because not we like- enjoyed it. That's not like you work it. Isn't that kind of like you work at Burger King, but then you go to McDonald's for lunch and you're like, it's different, but it is. I know how it's made. You know, I feel like that's somehow not quite comparable, but it's almost the same uh, exact thing. I've described exactly your experience. You apparently, (laughs) but no, we we had a really good time, and uh, I think everybody just uh, had a blast and. Fought through the hangover and it was it was a good time. Oh well, that's great. That's great. I'm glad you. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I remodeled our dining room all weekend, so equally is exciting, um, and sure. equally is fun. <laughs> um, was, uh, Looks good though. I saw the pictures. It, it, it looked really it, good. It, it turned out great. But something I also got to do this weekend, in addition to you know remodeling the dining room, is I did get to play a pretty decent amount of uh, Marvel Champions. Um, so uh, I didn't get to play any on Saturday because I worked pretty much literally all day on the dining room. But in the on Sunday afternoon, um, a couple of buddies came over. We went and visited. A buddy of mine started a church in the city. We visited him in the morning. Then a couple of buddies came over and, uh, and hang out. We hung out and played Marvel Champions, and we played a couple characters against Rhino, uh, who's one of the bosses, and, uh, you know, I guess kind of a uh, He's a Spider-Man villain. Yeah, not like a great villain, right? He kind of reminds me of a Power Rangers villain. Um, but, you know, uh, somebody who doesn't uh, come from Marvel. He's one world. of the more goofy Spider-Man villains. Yeah, he's like uh, Shark Man. There's like a shark guy too, or is he? Is he a DC villain? No, he, he's a shark. Head. Well, there there is a shark guy. That's I think there's a DC villain. He's like a uh, Aquaman villain, I think. Yeah, you know, there's probably a shark villain in Marvel somewhere too. Probably I just somewhere can't think along of the it, way. But I know the famous one is an Aquaman villain. Who's okay. Like, He's like the head of a shark. Yeah. So it it was fun. It was fun. I don't know that we actually won. I can't tell if we actually lost because we didn't play by the rules exactly. But then I uh, I sat down and faced Rhino 1v1 with Black Widow because I I picked up. I Like when I get into something, I want to own all of it before I even start playing it, which is uh, (laughs) super messy. So I've now picked up I've now picked up Hulk, uh, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Doctor Strange um, and the base box and, and sitting in my game nerds cart 
heart right now um, is the three villain expansions, the big box expansion, uh, Captain America and uh, uh, Captain America and Thor um, are all or I haven't bought them yet, but I'm like I'm 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 considering it. I'm at least can you know uh, when the president cuts you a check, you got to make sure that card games, uh, fantasy flight card games, stay in business. Um, mm-hmm. Don't want to see this one get canceled, so I have to backtrack and darn buy. right. And it's darn one right. of those things too, where with FFG games, you're never sure if you're gonna actually be able to get any of this old stuff, or if you're gonna have to try to track it down like uh, some ob- obscure small town card shop uh, that's like sitting in the back dusty behind another pack of something or other um and that's like the only way you're going to get it for 15 dollars instead of 140 dollars when it's out of print um and that's just kind of how these types of card these lcgs kind of go and so i'm like i'm anxious because i'm about a year behind and, and you can pretty much get everything without having to go to like third party market or something like you you can track down pretty much everything there's a local game shop by me that has everything for about two dollars more than online um but you can definitely like you can find like ant-man and wasp and some of the well some of the and, ones that and, are harder to get your hands on and if you're gonna spend your stemmy on uh on card games definitely try to patronize your friendly local game shop yes. because they're they're definitely struggling a little bit with the uh with the pandemic and everything but like that is long been a staple of game culture and uh and just supporting the community hosting tournaments and stuff like that for events and i know we're mostly a digital card game but i definitely want to say you know it's really easy to buy stuff from amazon but if if you have a shop near you definitely try to get in there first and see if you can't throw an extra couple bucks their way because they can't compete with amazon on prices but you know if, if especially if you have a good one you know, with good people running it, try to patronize that. That's my soapbox. Yeah, unless you're me and the monopoly of New Dimension Comics that is in the Western Pennsylvania area um, in the small towns around me has gouged prices and put every other game shop out of business. And now they charge like above what MSRP is for board games and card games um, when I can get it well under on Amazon. I'm not about to give. And everyone who works at their store is super rude and if you ask them for anything that they don't have a specialty in like that particular employee if he's like especially in magic gathering and he actually you ask him about comic books he acts like you are the moron um so mm. not a big not a big not a big shout out for new dimension comics i stopped buying stuff from them the last time i was there and the person looked at me like i was an idiot and i had been spending money in their shop since i was eight years old and i was like i am gonna punch you in the throat um and then i and then i didn't but then i left and i, I don't go back but <laughs> But anyway, this 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 evolved yeah, yes. very I got, quickly. I immediately got upset because I'm all about supporting. Yeah, this is getting out of hand. There are a, there's a great ones around Pittsburgh. There's just not great ones around me. Um, unfortunately, yeah, we just we don't have yeah. the we don't have the best uh, most socially inept uh, uh, employees in the local game stores around me. <laughs> yeah, that that can be that can be an issue. I'm just I will say I'm pretty fortunate to have. I mean, and, and you know, not that there isn't occasionally an awkward employee here and again i mean we all they're we're, they're nerds let's be real but i am fortunate to have two or three very um you know good overall game shops that uh try to do the best they can on prices and especially once you get in there a couple times they get to know your face it's often 
just a really uh, good experience. At least it has been for me. So yeah, we have a um, hobby express near us and like, it's actually a train shop, right? Like it's like a train mm -hmm. shop and RC cars, but they have like a miniatures painting aisle and like a toys aisle and then one board game aisle. Um, and then I guess the back wall has like uh, miniatures games like Warhammer and Star mm -hmm. Wars Legion and stuff. And, but, but the guy who runs their board game section there, like he looks at the prices that board game online are, are trying to sell their stuff and he keeps it within a couple of bucks and so every time i go out around there like i will gladly spend an extra two dollars or three dollars on something to support them um because they're not a comic book shop they're not even really a card shop but they sell like a little bit of that stuff right and they have mm -hmm. a really good board game selection considering the fact that they're not like a nerd they are they're like a different brand of nerd right <laughs> it's like right. people who love model trains and model railroads i shouldn't even call them trains sure. model railroads like it's an entirely different brand of nerd, but they keep some of my brand in stock and I appreciate that. Um, and so yeah. I do try to spend money at that shop, but I, I have been playing uh, LOR recently too. And I got to tell you, uh, so I won my Legends Cast Discord League season one and I unintentionally put a handicap on myself. I guess it's you, season three. Yeah, you won the three. whole. You won the no, whole. No, I'm thing, sorry. Huh? I, no, I won a match. I won my first round. <laughs> I went two one in my first round in the season three of Legend. I got all of that messed up. Round one of season three, I played this week and I won my first round. Uh, but it was really close. But I have unintentionally handicapped myself by making pretty much all mono decks. Um, I, <laughs> Interesting. So I ended up wanting to make a deck for each faction, and so I of course took mono SI because that's kind of my bread and butter. Uh, and has been since like November. I then took Mono Demacia, which has been the deck that I've played the most since the Sharima expansion has come out. It's something that I really enjoy. Um, I created a couple of other decks that weren't in that, but then the one that I ended up being most excited for, because I did something that combined, I had every faction accounted for, right? Except Bilgewater. And I was like, Mono Bilgewater. What can we do with Mono Bilgewater? And I was like, well, what are the themes of Mono Bilgewater? Plunder, right? Uh, yes, plunder pretty much. Um, and so I was like, I don't want to play TF. Let's play mono bilgewater gangplank. And I ended up playing mono bilgewater gangplank with MF. It's a plunder deck that focuses almost exclusively around powder monkeys. So it runs the three powder monkey card generators, which is the two mana summon a powder monkey. If you plundered, you summon one at the beginning of the next round as well. It runs uh, the, the monkey idol, which is going to deal two damage itself and summon powder monkeys. And then powder monkey pandemonium, uh, which is a four mana slow spell that summons a powder monkey and gives a random enemy vulnerable for each time uh, that you've plundered this game. And then in addition to that, um, it also has Ruthless Taskmaster, which gives all one attack things, all your powder monkeys, plus one attack. And then it runs the Taskmaster as well that uh, can rally. I don't think it's called Taskmaster, Citrus Courier, um, that rallies. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it has been so much fun to like sort of you know, you you get uh, some get the ruthless taskmaster down. You've plundered two or three times throughout the game. You come and you open attack right, and you get your usually have a powder monkey on the board. You get that that plunder ability off, and your opponent's like, I didn't die because you've been tinking away at them with these powder monkeys and over 
overwhelmed stuff the whole game, just like plucking away at their health total, um, stealing their cards, playing throughout the game. And then you rally and they're like, oh, okay, he rallied, but his monkeys are gone. So it doesn't matter. And then you powder pandemonium and fill your board with like three one ephemeral monkeys uh, that deal damage to the face whenever they die. I've won a whole bunch of games. I won a game earlier today by I dropped my opponent to six health and eight mana and I double powder pandemonium to fill the board with six monkeys and end round and then just they all died and, and dealt, dealt six damage to my opponent's face it was my so goodness. much fun so i've been playing tons of powder pandemonium this week um our, now obviously this deck was my loss uh in my in the league match because it's <laughs> terrible but it's so much fun so that that's what i've been playing i've been playing powder monkey synergy um and it actually has about a i've probably only played maybe a dozen games with it but it has about a 50 percent win rate on casual which isn't great but a 50 percent win rate on casual is uh, it wins enough for me to play it on casual um when i'm like you know watching the kids or if i'm just hanging out at the end of the night and just want to like decompress um mm -hmm. it's great for that and so really fun it's like one of my favorite decks i've ever made um and i don't even remember what i called it but it, it has it has an actual name and i should submit it to the deck name game and then choose it to win that's that's what yeah. i should do then then i can talk yeah, about my own deck more win, yeah win your own yeah, yeah, win my win thing, my yeah. own thing. That's perfect. That's um, right. Don't yeah. don't you love it? Yes, yeah. I do. I do. So, have you gotten any <laughs> LOR time in this week? I have. What did um, you play this week, man? Oh well. Um, so I I was really high on uh, um, Brom Vlad last week. Um, yes. Still pretty high on that deck. I've seen a lot of people talking about it in uh, the old discord. And it seems like a lot of content creators are also on that train hype train. Now. Yeah. I played a little against bit more it too today. Uh, it's not fun to play. I played against a Sejuani, uh, not Vlad, Sejuani Swain version of basically the same exact deck as Brom Vlad. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, well, yeah, there, there's, there's some plenty of stuff there too. Like with, uh, actually Swain has been, there's a lot of stuff going on with Swain, it feels like. But um, yeah, I there's a lot of cool stuff going on. The bottom line with uh, Brom, Vlad, kind of the self damagey stuff, and that's really exciting to see. Now, me being the 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 card game hipster, um, yes. Now that everybody's playing it, phew, good you're, luck seeing me play yeah, it. Yeah, you're done with that. That's uh, garbage. That deck's trash. Yeah, we're done. No, I, I, that's actually so far from true. I'm I'm loving uh seeing it and getting to play it and stuff like that and you know i have my own variant and and that i i'm really happy with um it's just in a good place uh and it performs very very well for me um nice. I, i've only played a couple more games with it since last week but i still haven't lost with it so that's cool Dang, um, nice very yeah nice. it yeah i mean I, like i said I've, i mean i've played like two more rounds of it but it still keeps winning um but here's the thing uh I don't know if he, well, he's not going to want me. Gibby, uh, Gibby hooked me up with a list that I've been playing. And uh, he, you know, no, he's posted it in the, in the Discord. Yeah, never mind. I can talk about it. Because um, sometimes he'll show me decks that he's interested in playing in events and stuff. And he doesn't uh -huh. want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. But this one is the, he calls it Beach Bonanza. Yeah, I did see and, that posted. Yes. And my God, if that isn't one of the funnest decks of this, uh, this whole expansion that I've played. Uh, it is powder monkeys combined with uh, like kind of powder monkey bilgewater aggro, kind of like you were sort of talking about. 
okay. combined with the token spawning Shereeman stuff with Azir. So it's Azir and Misfortune in kind of this like hybridy scout list. Oh, interesting. Um, so it actually runs. But I mean, it really doesn't have list. scouts. It really just has an island navigator, which is just an all around MVP. Um, and it is just, it's hyper aggro. It's completely all in, uh, but it's not burn. It's like attrition spawning so many things that they can't block kind of reminds you of fearsome like mist wraiths but without the kind of uh with a lot more reach but without the um the resource extension because it really doesn't have much resource extension but it can put so much damage on face so fast and it has the upside of having some really cool tricky cards that your opponent just completely isn't prepared for like what you mentioned the citrus courier has been absolutely bonkers in that list being able to kind of trigger and get you an extra attack which misfortune already likes azir is just so easy to level i mean he almost always levels up by like five you know uh turn five or so because you're just spawning all the all the extra sand soldiers you've got the, the emperor's dais there spawning some he's spawning some Monkey you've got monkeys idols, popping out yeah, of the woodwork yeah it's so freaking fun uh, I, I mean, I, I just, too. I mean, I think I have something like I played like maybe like 15 games with it. And I think I have something like a uh, 60 to 70% win rate with it, which is still good. Um, it's not the ridiculous win rate that I have with Brom Vlad, but it's, it's still good. It just has very clear, poor matchups. Like there's like it, it literally, it literally cannot possibly win uh, or uh, lose to uh no, it cannot possibly win against like Fiora Shen, but so is Agro. Like Agro just generally gets completely oh, yeah. very trash by Fiora fire. Shen, unless you're playing like the Burn one, which can throw a couple uh, get excited and stuff at, at Fiora. But if you're a board based Agro list, you have almost no way of dealing with Fiora Shen. So of course, you know it, it struggles there. And and so when you run into that, you just eat the L. But it uh, it did kind of help me kind of rank a, up a division or or two when I was playing it. And uh, it's also just one of the most fun lists because it feels like the two packages really complement each other nicely. Like you're not kind of forcing them to work together. Like they want to, they want to pair, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which I is, that. And that's just so cool. Ah, cool. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that more powder monkeys are making it into the conversation today. Um, this episode is brought to you by powder monkeys. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it always will be. Um, I'm now starting to wish that powder monkeys were actually like the overall theme for our podcast. If they had enough voice lines to be our podcast theme, I think that powder <laughs> monkeys would have to be. Um, yeah, you really you really got high on the powder monkeys this week, huh? Yeah, I really like the powder monkeys. Um, okay, so I do want to talk about deck name game because we promised that we are going to stop do it, start doing it a little bit more regularly because we've had so many submissions and when I say that I mean Six Summit has made so many submissions um, to deck name game uh, it is like a it's like a three to one against well it's like if you add everybody else's submission up I don't know that they actually equal Six Summit's submissions but that being said he made some pretty sick submissions uh, to deck name game this <laughs> week and so uh, we did want to announce a winner and guys if you've already uh, like uh, submitted and you're like, oh man, I didn't win this week. We are going to go back and keep revisiting some of the lists that have been posted over the past two weeks because there there really was a lot. I mean, it wasn't just Six Summit. Uh, you know, Bloom has one in here. Crazed Alpaca has one in here. Mr. Purple has one in here. Uh, 
Zidian, Zidian, Zidian has one in there. Silent Sith has one in there. Yosty Toasty's got one in here. There's so many. There's so the Jeff Jeff got it in here or the the Jeff. Um, so lot lots of opportunity. Um, but this this week's winner of deck name game is going to be going to Six Summit with his super sick deck, the first roll of Right Club. The first roll of Right Club, which if you guys don't, of course, realize, is uh, a sort of a reference to the first roll of Fight Club which comes from the movie Fight Club, which is I, the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. In in his description, the first rule of Right Club, I made a deck, but I can't talk about it. Uh, thought it was hilarious. Thought it was really great. Uh, are you looking at the deck, DBN? You want to tell us a little bit about what this deck does or at least what it appears to do? Because I haven't played it myself. Yeah, yeah. So we, so we have the, uh, it is a Sharima and Freljord list. And it is running all three of the rights, which are streaming cards, which give you the option of either killing an ally or uh, destroying a mana gem. So all three yeah. of them have that kind of cost, which is really interesting. Um, and the way that it kind of wants to work is it's Ash, Trundle, and one, two Ash, three Trundle, and one uh, Trindamir. And it has literally just as much uh, like harpooning and uh uh a stat reduction as possible because it's using um like the Bakai sand spinners and the rhyme fang wolves to be able to hand out vulnerable slash challenger and go and grab the things that are either frozen or uh reduced an attack through things like uh, quicksand uh or flash freeze but then you also have the really cool and i was thinking actually about about this myself uh shatter so shatter is a two mana spell that will uh frostbite something but if it's already has it's not saying if it's already frozen it says if it's already at zero attack uh you can i believe uh deal just, four just, damage to it uh, or just kill it i need to double check i, I think it's the, four i think that's accurate i think it's, I think it's four, four damage. two two mana it's a slow damage. spell yeah, it does it deals four damage to something that has zero power i mean obviously uh, that goes for anything that is frostbitten. Uh, it has the upside of, of course, is a slow spell. You can still frostbite something. Uh, but I just really do like the idea of being able to go in and just instantly kind of damage something that you have frozen or reduced with uh, like the either the right of dominance or with uh, you know the the quicksand or whatever. Now. And I think um, unworthy similar too, right? If you if yeah. you have less mm -hmm. mana gems, it like destroys something, correct? Uh, instead yeah, it of... gives followers minus four. But if you have fewer mana gems, which because you're running all these rights, you you can Do. set yeah. up, it'll just kill a follower. You can you can yeah. just you can just ice any follower you want for two mana, uh, two mana slow. So I just think that's a really interesting way to play. I don't know how strong it is necessarily, um, but uh, we have now talked about the deck. Whose rule is to not talk about it? So yeah, we can't uh, first say much rule more. of right club, uh, it was really good. Also, just uh, uh, honorable mention. Let me see if I can find it. To uh, big trouble with little spiders, which is a uh, uh, funny submission. I'm actually I love big trouble in little China. It's a hilarious movie. Uh, and so big trouble with little spiders, getting to put like uh. Lamb's Respite and Iceborne Legacy and Pack Mentality, Battle Fury on all these little spiders is pretty darn funny. Um, sort of like so that is a list, list from Zidian. 
Yeah, so Zidian submitted big trouble with little spider. So honorable mention there. Yeah, yeah. Great submissions this week, guys. And we are going to take a look at this next week as well, because it's something we do want to revisit as long as you guys are, you know, making making the effort to put those decks out there. We really appreciate it. So thank you guys for doing that. And uh, yeah, that's the that's deck name game. Um, I want to give a quick thank to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash legendscast. If you are not a patron yet, you can visit over there uh, and go to uh, Patreon patreon.com slash legendscast become a patron you get access to the mulligan um which is a bi-weekly show that dbn and i do last week we put out an episode about our five favorite movies each from the marvel cinematic universe uh it's where we talk about things that are not actually legends of runeterra uh specific and uh it's one of our mm -hmm. favorite things to do actually they're always super fun they're a little bit shorter oh, yeah. um, but they are super fun episodes to do so you can get that bi-weekly show if you're a patron uh and then also you get access to our patron channel which is the place that we go first for suggestions about the show or advice um, even when we're asking uh, you know about new things that maybe we're getting done for the show or uh, you know like if we're going to get t-shirts done or the next thing that we're going to have for giveaways like we go to the patrons first and so you get access to that as well visit patreon.com slash legendscast um, and I actually think I now that I'm thinking about it I'm thinking that we did have a new patron this week um, and I was like I, I thought no we didn't but you know what i think that we actually did and i believe that one i think the new patron this week which i didn't say anything in chat about because it was actually a returning patron this time um a, one of our returning patrons was I'm, I'm trying to find them oh jake jake s used to be a patron has returned as a patron and actually we did have one other new one this week i've completely forgot about that nate n nate n is one of our newest a five dollar patron over there patreon.com nate n new patron this week and awesome. um yeah nate actually reached out to me this week as well he's a really cool dude so thank you nate for your support jake thank you for joining back up with us again and this time jumping on at a ten dollar level uh as a patron wow. ten bucks a month so thank you jake for that hope that you guys Amazing. are really enjoying yeah. it so thank you guys for the support really appreciate you guys and and our patreon's kind of like it's been off the hook it's allowing us to do all kinds of new things but we have 31 patrons now um 31 people oh, believe man. that this crazy crazy hogwash show that we do is worthy of their hard-earned cash their pennies their dollars um and for some of you you're five dollars a week and you, that's unbelievable so thank you guys appreciate you um you guys are awesome you guys are awesome yeah, some absolutely. people think that we are more valuable than a netflix subscription oh wow i mean i don't even think we're more valuable than that I as do. people I do think <laughs> much not. less as a show. <laughs> Some people think we're we're worth twice as much as a Disney Prime subscription. Oh uh, no, nah, that is just that is That's just patently untrue. That's yeah, crazy. There's no way. We Take your money back, guys. Go get your Disney that. Prime. Yeah, Disney that's Plus. two months of Disney Plus, and you don't have to miss out on the Winter Soldier and and Falcon. So uh, yeah, yeah. Unless unless you got money that you're just trying to shoot out of cannons at people. In that case, direct that cannons directly at Patreon.com/slash/LegendsCast. It'll all land <laughs> safely and securely right in our Patreon feed. Um, okay, let's gonna do it. Let's go ahead and jump into our main segment for tonight time for the main event 
Okay, we're going to talk in our main segment tonight, the goal. We're going to talk a little bit about our favorite cards from Sharima. But before we discuss that, I thought it would be cool. Um, DBN, do you want to talk about a little bit about this like tier list uh, that you sent me? Because I think it's really, really, it's quite cool. And I'm excited to have a little bit of a discussion. We don't have to go about it through, through all of it in complete detail because it's pretty extensive. But I think mm -hmm. that there are some things definitely to talk about in it for sure. Yeah, so um, I actually just saw this because, uh, you know, as you all know, Silver Fuse, friend of the show, just awesome content creator, one of our favorites, uh, my personal favorite to actually watch uh, myself. Uh, you know, she is very uh, busy in the community, making tons and tons of content and working with the other people on her uh, her team. And uh, she actually posted and shared a little visual that uh, she made with uh, swim and uh, precipic and uh, pespis cola um, which is a Portuguese uh, player who I wasn't super aware of but now I am now, uh, we, now we know no mm -hmm. offense I just I'm not Portuguese um, so uh, they made a little uh, fun visual which is a tier list of all of the non shariman cards that came out in this Shreeman expansion, just as a fun way to kind of look at the impact uh, that these new cards for the older factions are having and where those cards are lining up. I think it's really cool. It's just a neat little thought experiment. And and uh, so I sent that over to Mark, and I was just wondering, did anything stand out to you besides it obviously being just a, a fun thing to look at? Yeah, you know, maybe I'm not super in touch with the meta. I mean, there were a lot of things. I, I just wanted to take a moment and talk. So they have S tier, S plus tier, you know, so they have F, D, C, B, A, S, and S plus, which is probably the opposite way that I should have read those things. Um, but uh, <laughs> but you know what? I, I was surprised about a handful of things. Maybe because some of these things are stuff that I just haven't played with, and maybe some of it is because it's stuff that I have played with. I think it's interesting to look and see how the champions were rated, but I think it's more interesting to look can see that there are no champions in s plus tier you only have three cards which is blighted ravine which is going to be the four mana landmark with a countdown of two one uh one, one. countdown one. It just of one goes off the next turn yeah so you play it it deals heals uh heals you for four and then the next turn it's in frail your next turn it's going to deal two damage to everything your board their board the your face their mm -hmm. face um and then also three sisters which is the one mana burst spell very versatile adds the entomb the uh the flash freeze or the uh plus three plus four at burst speed which for some reason i can't remember the name of that off the top of my head um and then the penitent squire um was their s plus tier cards and i was not surprised by penitent squire or three sisters i was surprised by blighted ravine um and i was actually kind of surprised that uh that nas well i guess nasus is streaming uh that makes sense i i was kind of surprised that uh that kindred or lissandra really wasn't up there even leblanc wasn't up there um because they're very strong very powerful champs right now um th that was that was my biggest like first thing and i bull i am a hundred percent on board with penitent squire by the way yeah um it's interesting so i think that they really took this uh less from a what it's what is it doing right now in meta decks and more like what does this card do potentially isolated or in the broader scope of things right so i think we can both agree that while maybe the elites list isn't like top top tier or anything 
um, Penitent Squire is a very top tier card in that list and in that kind of space, right? It's a very, very strong card. So I think really that's good. the argument, right? Like, like I'm sure you're not arguing that, uh, you know, elites and Jarvan and stuff is is the, you know, S tier the no. deck, but the card probably is. Uh, yeah, I and I honestly think that the combination of Penitent Squire um, with the Honored Lord card um, is one of the bigger power spikes in the game. If you if mm -hmm. you're on turn one, if you're going turn one, Penitent Squire. If you can do uh, turn two, which is like the Blade Master, the Battle Master that buffs elites, and then you can turn three, use that that uh, Penitent Squire's item to give Challenger to your Honored Lord. You play a you play a four three Honored Lord with Challenger when it challenges something the first time. It gains barrier uh, and attack with it on turn three. It is a very, very, very strong opener, kind of like those three cards. In an elite deck, you're actually playing two non-elites um, before you play an elite, and it really gives you a power spike to take control of the board um, that's really hard for your opponent to come back from, and that is largely enabled by Penitent Squire, which is why I think it's yep. so strong. Yeah, um, no, for, for sure. Um, but I think that I, I I really think that Blighted Ravine is is totally correct here. Now, Three Sisters, I, I guess it's, it's very the flexible. raw flexibility. It's so flexible. I have played around yeah. with it a little bit. It is in uh, one of my decks, uh, which I won't mention which one, um, but it is in one of my <laughs> decks for the Discord League. And uh, it is very raw. It's very, it's very strong just because you can save something that you want to keep alive. You can minimize the amount of damage that you're going to take to the face or trick a trade, or you can push a lot of extra damage to face with Fury of the North. Um, it's just like everything wrapped into one for one mana, usually a spell mana in this particular deck. Um, you have spell mana banked a lot of times. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's a really strong card, to be honest. Super, super strong. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And, and Blighter Ravine has been that like extra bit of control that I think, you know, the, the Lysandra, but not just Lysandra, but just the frail yard, hard, hard control decks really want. I've been vexed numerous times, uh, by the ability of a frail yard control list, uh, to go ice shard blighted ravine avalanche whispering whale like those they have so much redundancy in the aoe damage now and blighted yeah. ravine also heals so yes. it's like just i mean so much consistency in that front uh is is pretty crazy I will say this, in the games where I was playing Lissandra Trundle sort of like early in the release of this last set, um, the games that I won were normally the games that I got Blighted Ravine. Yeah, it's, it's uh, harder to play it's, it's harder to play around than Avalanche, just to be honest. Like, mm -hmm. legit, like, it is harder, it is much harder to play around than Avalanche. 
um, just because uh, I, it, it punishes you in a different way. And uh, when we had the conversation about this early on, when you have Avalanche and Bladed Ravine in your deck, your opponent doesn't really have a great line um, for avoiding both of those cards, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think that that is, other than don't play anything, and if you're you're playing a deck that you have to play something because this deck wants to wants to buy time, and so yeah, it's it is a really hard deck to it, it is really hard deck to play against in terms of early game because it's so good at removing stuff which i think mm -hmm. is why honestly it's why it's sort of like leblanc siver have seen some play because it runs uh, that deck oftentimes runs that big giant six three with overwhelming spell shield um and the spell shield on that and the spell shield on siver is really strong against cards like blighted ravine um or against avalanche um very strong. I, I, and I actually yeah. don't know if it works against Blighted Ravine specifically, but the, the three health does, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. the, yeah, getting to three health makes a big difference against this deck. What, what were you surprised by? Anything when you looked at this that you were, like, caught up guard by? You know, I think that uh, in my uh, messing around so far, I think Bloody Business has felt a little, a little pricey to, for S tier. It's certainly good, and it's more Noxus kind of, like, uh, both interaction, which some of its champions want uh, to be able to strike things, and it's also removal, which uh -huh. Noxus wants. Uh, but bloody business is still a four cost spell, uh, and it you know you want to probably be playing it with decent sized champions. So finding the mana to get that effect uh, is sometimes uh, difficult. So while I do really like bloody business, I look at it at an S tier and I say ah, I'm not not sold on that necessarily. Um, I thought the one that really threw me, and maybe it's just maybe I just haven't seen it uh played in anything super great, is this uh Starfield Peak or Star Tipped, excuse me, Star Tipped Peak, the uh the yeah. two mana landmark. Yes, uh, for and Targon. I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to actually read it on, on my phone. Um mm -hmm. it has countdown three uh what does it do exactly? Cause I, I uh you I believe it uh, celestial units. Right? Yeah, you you pull you pull celestial cards into your hand. I think yeah. when the countdown is off. Yeah, I'm surprised um, by that too. To be honest with you, because I've never I haven't even seen that card really. I haven't play. seen it played once, and I think that like this again could be a situation where they're looking at this as the potential of the card more so than the uh, execution and current lineups and decks. But there's just so many other ways to trigger celestial that involve a uh, instant receival of the card combined with the idea that you're sometimes even getting to put a unit down i was really surprised to see that in a tier um that was that was a bit of a surprise yeah that's um, like the only so i i agree so like in the s tier the one that i was surprised by was bloody business golden ages those two i was like oh i've gotten wrecked by golden ages so many I, times I actually, i'm so sick of it it probably is really really strong i just haven't played against it i i could see right i could see where golden ages would be incredibly strong that's not i was yeah. surprised by starfield peak or whatever but or star tipped peak However, all the other cards in A tier, I was like, yeah, all, literally all of those make sense to me. Like, I, I completely get that. Like, Fading yeah. Icon strong, Spirit Leech is strong, Unto Dust is uh, Dusk is strong. Um, obviously, we knew um, that uh, that some of these other cards in here were were strong as well. So I I walked, looked at that and I was like, yeah, Gallant Rider might be one where didn't see a lot of play, but I could see in a vacuum where that's a really strong card. Um, and I I could agree that those are all A tier in comparison to the other cards that we've seen in this set. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty much in, in yeah, I, I pretty much like all those except for the one that you mentioned. Uh, anything in B tier that was really surprising to you? Um, no, it all feels about right in B tier. I think a lot of people think Kindred is better than B tier. I, I happen to think Kindred's a little too hard to get value out of instantly. So um, that's my issue with Kindred is the idea of like, the I want to play. You play him, yeah. Yeah, you know, what turn do you play him? Like, you want to make sure you either need to already have a board built, which Kindred being a control unit, if your stuff's getting picked off as you go, you know, and you're trying to be. You know, you're trying to respond to the opponent. They're probably ready for you to drop a, a unit. If you're playing it more aggressively, like I think that that might be the better way to play is like in a mid-range play style. Um, but nonetheless, like it's still a big five-man investment for something that you then also need to trigger a slay. And your opponent's going to be looking for any way to avoid you getting a slay. So um, they're not going to set up trades in that case if it's going to affect them. Uh, it, it's just it's that to get that value consistently all on your end, especially on the turn that it comes down, which you really want it to be impactful the turn it comes down, because any card that isn't impactful the turn it comes down, it's, they're usually not played as much. They're usually not as impactful long-term in, in the meta environment, right? And so with Kindred, it definitely seems like you either need to have that spell mana banked to make sure you get a slay, or you need to have units down that you're then going to be able to follow up with uh, interaction or enough pressure that the opponent has to take trades uh, and not let the damage go through the face. So is it is it a interesting and and I'll, I'll say good champ? Yeah, but it's B tier in my in my estimation. I just know that a lot of people probably look at it and rate it higher than that when it high rolls. You know? Yeah, I could rate it like when I compare it to the other cards that are here, specifically Thorn of the Rose, which isn't a bad card, mind you, but I think it's comfortably in B tier. I think that Kindred is a high B tier. I, I think Maybe. that it's like it, I, I would I would rate Kindred as B ish. Like B, but he's <laughs> he's closer to A than he is to C. Like that's that's yeah, my I'll give you that. I'll That's you my that. general feel. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, I looked at C tier, and uh, there was some stuff that I was surprised with there. Um, honestly, I haven't played Mimic, but I was surprised. I was surprised that Shadow... That card just has dumb combo potential down the road. That's why Mimic's there. Okay. It's, it's, I think it's raw combo potential. Shadow Apprentice and Dragon Chow? Dragon I Chow, like... I don't understand, but... I mean, I saw Shivana today. They played two Dragon Town, played Shivana, and then blocked with Shivana and leveled her up because, you know, Shivana strikes each of them, draws two cards, deals four damage to each, works towards her level up, but Shivana's garbage. So I still won that game. Um, seems, so. Yeah, it seems seems cute and nothing more than that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then I don't know. It, uh, when I look at D tier, I'm like, I realize that they put Jarvan here. I think that's mm -hmm. brutal. I, I really do. I think that Jarvan um, maybe is, uh, compared to other champions, is probably the worst of the non-Shariman champions that we've seen. But I don't think that he's a D-tier card. Uh, when I see him placed next to King Jarvan Third, I'm like, Jarvan himself is way better than King Jarvan Third. Like, way better than that card. Uh, yeah, I guess. Way um, better than I field think... musicians. Like... I mean, but, but Jarvan Third pulls... 
it's it's a tutor for a good card. So I think that there's benefit there. Um, I think that Jarvan is looked at. I think, yeah, I, I can get behind Jarvan. I haven't played Jarvan, so I really don't have a personal, but I read this card and I say, I think it's I think it's good, just maybe not quite yet. I have had you know a I mean? lot of success with him and Garen in elites. Um I, I think just, people just uh, I think people like to sleep on on linear Demacia playstyles. I think that I think that the influencers in the community don't like playing or like they don't like giving attention to Demacia uh from a uh from a linear perspective. So like the decks like elites that have just kind of always existed, these tribal lists that are very straightforward. Um, I think that they don't get, you know, lip service because a lot of viewers find them boring. So I think that that leads to a little bit of confirmation bias. I'm just I'm just kind of critiquing here. I have no one in particular in mind. It's I'm not throwing shade at anyone. This is just from what I see. I just know that a lot of it's really easy to overlook them because it, it's not necessarily exciting right yeah i, I agree. and you play it once you play it a couple times and you've played it as many times as you're gonna play it like you you, you know you you fully it, understand it there's right and it's, it's i don't think it's a particularly exciting deck to play 10 times in a row on stream so like i i do feel that there's maybe a little bit of unfair evaluation of this card based on you know the perspective of maybe it's not as exciting i happen to know that uh i mean this list was put together by silver fuse along with four or five other people and i happen to know silver fuse found jarvan to be particularly interesting at least on her videos um but i think and i think jarvan is interesting i just think maybe the rest of the deck isn't yeah that that that, that i can certainly agree with that i can certainly agree with. I, I enjoy it but i do like that linear play style um, sometimes, mm -hmm. so I, I kind of get that. As there well. is something, there was an interesting discussion in our Discord, actually, just we can jump off onto this, um, which was the idea of like, why do people play? And I'm not throwing shade here or anything or criticizing. It was just, I thought it was really fascinating discussion. Why are people playing uh, lists that have already been kind of, that are linear and have already been messed with? So, for instance, like um, uh, Deep was in one of the examples given. Like, We've seen deep, you know, for almost a year, and Why it really messing with there's it? there's there's one or two new cards. People are messing with it again. Why? It's you're playing the same thing you played before, plus or minus one or two cards, you know. And why are people playing these super linear strategies that are old? Well, I was thinking about this, and besides there being like yeah, there's some newer stuff, or potentially newer players getting into the game now and not having experienced those older things and are only just getting the cards to build things like deep my thought of it was you know there's comfort in playing something linear especially for players that don't stream or players that uh maybe do you know play this game from a relaxation standpoint you know linear play styles are easier generally to pilot you kind of can go through the motions but still experience the joy of making decisions and and uh you know and, and executing a strategy like you, you know what you need to do you don't really have to necessarily adapt too much um versus if you're playing a super flexible mid-range list you have to constantly be on 
you know, your brain is to constantly be on and thinking of what the next thing could be or the counterplay to this other thing, projecting out several turns and several actions ahead. And linear play styles, while LOR is still, I think, very demanding from a counterplay anticipation perspective, linear play styles often kind of there is a strictly right decision to make on each given turn. And for somebody who's just booting it up in the evening casually, you know, watching their kids or, you know, before making dinner and just trying to enjoy the experience, there's comfort there. Yeah, there's not as much attention you have to pay to it. It's actually, it's so funny because it's not a deck that's enjoyable to watch someone stream, um, but it's a deck that's enjoyable to stream. Uh, <laughs> simply because, <laughs> like, you don't have to have a ton of focus. You can engage with the chat. It's not super deep. You're not thinking out all of the intricacies of every play. You kind of know what you're going to do before you start doing it. But then no one wants to watch you play it, right? Because it's like, uh, this is boring, and I could, don't want to watch you do this. There's nothing interesting going on here. Uh, yeah, I agree. I will say this. The last thing I'll say is the F tier. I 100% agree with everything in F tier. Every card um, in F tier is trash. They did a good job there. That that was. Uh, I feel I, I feel maybe like my like maybe Destiny's Call is D tier. Is that the one that gives us something in your hand plus eight plus eight? Yeah, I could definitely see. Uh, I mean, it it's overwhelm list still, huh? Like an overwhelm list. Yeah, I can see situations like it. It's strictly worse than Battle Fury. Mm-hmm. You know, ninety ninety five percent of the time, um, but I can definitely see where eventually there may be cards that come out that like do something based on the stats that it has when you summon it. There already are a couple things; it's just nothing that's going to break the game, right? But something like, um, well, Navori brigands that duplicate and clone their stats. You have things like Zed, which benefit from, uh, you know, du- creating a clone with that same, you know, stats. Or you have the big uh, Devour of the Deeps, which will obliterate something with stats less than. Yeah, I mean, so ran- like I think the potential Bakai rampaging Bakai. It's the the five and yep. four six overwhelm when mm-hmm. you have slain four plus units. This game uh, an enemy and I strike each other. Like that would be great to have a plus eight plus eight on him when he comes into play. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm getting at here. Is that like that? There, I think that while it may not be good now, I think that there's it's a common enough design especially when you have something like a faction like Ionia, which where they seem to want hand buffing to be a thing that a card that hand buffs by that ridiculous amount at burst speed um, might eventually, you know, facilitate or enable some sort of powerful or at the very least interesting combo. Yeah. So I, mean, sure, I think that, that, that might sin is crazy, right? Hmm? That on a leveled least sin is yeah, there's Pretty some strong. there's some fun stuff you can do with it, and and yeah, and I think that like those fun things that can still like fun that can still win games is D tier to me. Okay, okay, that's fair. Yeah, not so that tier. that's all. But I think you know we're not we're not here to filler. pick apart this list. In fact, largely I agreed with almost everything oh, on you know, it. Basically, everything is really um, spot on, and really, it doesn't really, really matter on. if we agree because it was really just presented as a thought experiment more than a a you know. Definitive uh, statement, yeah, sure. yeah, definitive statement or anything. It was just a fun thing to look at, but I, I thought it was neat to kind of look at, see what all the new sort of tools and stuff from these other factions, and and you know, I really love seeing things like Spirit, uh, Leech, and Crimson Bloodletter, 
and mask mother up in a tier and seeing some of those other Which things. I, I also love the respect for thorn of the rose. I think that's a really cool card. And I know there's been people messing around with that and like Yasuo. So pretty, uh, pretty cool and exciting there. But um, I mean, do you want to, do you want to move over to our, our favorite yeah. stream of cards? Yeah. Let's move over to that. Let's, let's jump in. We're, we're going to talk about our five favorite. We've had the chance to play with some Sharima cards, uh, DBN and I both. And so we have the chance to talk a little bit about our five favorite cards from Sharima so far and why there are five favorite cards and I have five I don't know if I have them in uh, honestly I'm not sure I have them in an exact order of five it's kind of hard to say but I am really mm. curious to know I, I think I know what my favorite one is and I think I think it'll be a surprise to you um maybe okay. it won't be but well now now I I gotta ask because you know with these lists I always like to know what you know the the confines were when you were making it like what what are you you know considering favorite like what is your definition here of a of, of favorite <laughs> it's so interesting because i've been playing so much expedition when i'm streaming um mm -hmm. that i actually have brought that in because there's of course there's a lot of this going on in in expedition right now because people want to try out the new stuff a lot of times people right. who don't have access to everything they get a chance to try it out in their weekly expedition um so i mm -hmm. see a lot of sharima and so i'm actually kind of taking it and and looking a little bit at like what's expedition what do i see is just sort of like straight up staple strong powerful enjoyable um but also like but not like the most frustrating thing in the world to play against right um mm -hmm. and then and then i also i think i took flavor in into it a little bit uh, i think i took flavor into it a little bit cuz i picked i picked one of my cards kind of based off the flavor of it um as well so i i guess there was sort of an, an array of of things that have gone in and i picked a i could have picked more i picked a champion i picked one one champion out of the group okay as well okay he's not my favorite card in the in the whole set but he is he, i would consider them to be in the top five okay so do we want to do the champions last then Yes, sure. Let's do champions last. Although I will highlight the one that I have as my top, as my top for sure. Okay. Okay. Why, cool. why don't you start? Sweet. Why don't you start and give us your first of your five from Sharima that you really like? Yeah. So the first one I'm gonna do uh, is actually uh, it's a spell, um, and it's one that I found myself really enjoying playing uh, and having a hard time, I guess, playing against in many ways, which is uh, an exciting thing to kind of get be forced to get used to new types of counterplay um you know i i find that especially when i find the card to be fair but you know interesting you know a card that is is inherently a new way to play and new thing to expect but i still find to be appropriately priced and not too you know bonkers it makes it all the more compelling to me right um so for me that is exhaust I think Exhaust is just a fantastic card. I love the Challenger and the Vulnerable kind of interactions. I love that Shreema seems to be like loving handing out Vulnerable to things uh, as kind of its core identity. And Renekton in particular really in wanting to come in and, and start smashing stuff. But, but you know, Nasus too to an extent. Um, and the ability to give something minus two uh, and, you know, to allow your things to survive attacks but without handing quick attack to everything. Like, I think it's a really elegant design and, and a really cool way for Shreema to stand out from the pack when it comes to their combat presence. 
so I just love exhaust at focus speed, uh, which I love that we can say that like that there's this fourth spell speed at focus at focus speed. Uh, I just think it is, if you could play this at burst speed, I'd have an issue with it, but the foresight required for exhaust, um, but you can still use it defensively. If you know that someone's going to attack with something beforehand, yeah, you can't respond with it, but maybe, you know, you can go ahead and use it preemptively. If you're desperate, there's just a lot to think about with exhaust. So I, I really, really like that. That's, that's my, we'll call that number five for me number five okay well i tell you what i'll throw uh i'll throw a five at you as well and i'll also pick a spell um and this is just because of how this card makes me feel when it's in my hand can you guess which one it is it's a spell that makes uh, me feel good when it's in my hand i'm gonna say ruthless predator close right of negation um, not, uh. not actually because right of negation. Um, so there's something that was always great about playing Ionia when you had a deny in hand and you knew that if your opponent tried something that you had an ability to interact with that something that they were going to try to do. And uh, you had the ability to say, no, 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 you're, you're not going to remove my champion. No, 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 no. You know, you're not going to do that right now. Um, and that was something that I always liked about Ionia. I always liked Deny. Um, even, I know some people don't like playing against, they don't think it's a fun way to play. Uh, but coming from Magic the Gathering, having one counterspell in the game is miraculous. Now we kind of have three, right? We have, uh, you know, we have Deny, we have the mini deny and then we have super deny um in right of negation and uh and right of negation is a really strong card it's a really cool card and i like that i can dip into a different faction to pick up deny other than ionia um i appreciate that i appreciate that somebody else has sort of like a nope stop what you're doing card um other than ionia and that's why right of negation makes it into my list i haven't actually even played much right of negation but i do find that every time i, I dip into sharima to get a champion or i'm crafting a deck that's predominantly sharima i'm like you know what i can find room for a right of like, i can find room for at least one <laughs> right of negation in this deck to kind of protect my game plan um mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons i like it so my number five is right of negation okay no i i can respect that i actually have had uh a little bit less, uh, I guess, success with it. I often find myself in the Sharima decks that I'm playing it, uh, wanting to play more board centric and uh, being a little more proactive. And so I find, you know, that banking for mana uh, can actually be somewhat difficult. But, um, yeah. but that's good. I mean. I mean, it, it really is more for whenever you are dipping into Sharima to pick up a couple of things. It's like uh, I, I was playing Sharima with Lee Sin a little bit, and it was actually mm -hmm. funny because it was like, well, I can run Deny and Right of Negation um, or Nopify with Right of Negation, and then you can also get, like, uh, like the Exhaust card. The Exhaust card's very good with something like um, a Lee Sin deck that wants to be able to, you know, not have their stuff die and be able to target the thing that it wants to target and cast spells, right? It, it lined up pretty mm -hmm. well with it. Um, and I just barely experimented with it, but in that deck, I liked Rite of Negation. It's funny because it's the only it was an Ionia deck, but you know, it it was also good uh, in sort of like an overwhelm deck that was running, mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, Renekton Sejuani, and it was fun in that deck too because it could protect some of your big threats that maybe someone wanted to vengeance one of your guys before it overwhelmed and killed the opponent, um, and you could you know you could deny that happening uh, a little bit of protection. Um, okay, what's your number? Uh, what's your number four? So my number four is actually going to be a uh, similar one, I guess, uh, to you. It's a different right. 
Oh, okay. Um, so it's another spell, Rite of Calling. Very cool card. Very cool. I adore the tutoring aspects. I mean, anything that tutors a specific card, a specific, specific type of card, I really enjoy in this game and in digital card games because they're typically few and far between. And I think that Rite of Calling has that perfect blend of, you know, you get a random champion, so it kind of makes you think, okay, do I care? When I, when I put Rite of Calling in my deck, you have to think. I say, do I care which champ I pull? Um, because if so, I may need to decide I want only to run only one champion. Yeah. If I don't care which champion I pull, okay, well, which ones do I include? Do I include a one of this thing? Do I go three and three? You know, I've been playing it actually recently just for questing and stuff like that. And also just for the funness of it, playing like a mono Shurima Ascended list, just messing around with that. So Rite of Calling, of course, a little less consistent there because the build I'm running has... You know, two Azir, two Nasus, two Nectin. So, you know, I know I'm going to be able to get something. I just don't know which one it's going to be. So there's downside to it. It can also be countered. If you try to blow up your own little, you know, one drop, your opponent can just kill that one drop. Like, it, there's just a lot of counterplay in it. Um, but there's also just that powerful, inherent ability. And, of course, if you don't have a unit to blow up, you can always hit your mana gym. Just a really well-designed card. It feels very flavorful. It feels very... You know, there's only like what one other champion uh, uh, tutor, which is Entreat, and so I love seeing a second one. Kind of like how Deny just got a second, you know, style of Deny. Mm -hmm. So really cool. Yep. Yeah, that's my number four. Uh, I'm I'm 100 percent <laughs> behind that, and uh, I I really like Rite of Calling, and I think it's interesting because it's one of those cards that makes you make a difficult deck building decision, but it doesn't mm -hmm. force your entire deck to build in a certain way. Um, and I think that is really cool, right? It's like, it's a, it's a yeah. tweak on how you're going to build your deck, but it's not everything about how you're going to build your deck. Um, yeah. and, uh, th I think that's cool. Whereas like this, the, the ruined sun disc, right? The buried sun disc that completely mm. changes the way you build your entire deck. Whereas right of calling says, uh, do you want to play six champions really? Or do you want to guarantee the one that you really want to get? Um, interesting. Yeah. So uh, my number four was a card that I played right towards the beginning. I think it's a really strong card in Shurima, one of the stronger ones in Shurima, and that is the four mana five three Bakai Sand Spinner, which plays Grand mm. Enemy minus one minus zero invulnerable. Um, I think this is an interesting card because it doesn't have a high health, so it's not insanely powerful in the fact that you can lower their attack and then trade in a lot easier because you still only have that three health mark. But it's interesting because you give something vulnerable and pull it out of the way to be able to deal five damage with Bakai. Um, you can give something vulnerable and that vulnerable sticks around, which is extremely valuable. Um, and it, I think that minus one minus zero sticks around as well. Um, I think that Bakai Sand Spinner is a really cool card. Uh, that's my number four for really a lot of reasons, but I, I just think it's, it is a really cool engaging card for like board centric control or board centric uh, manipulation in some capacity uh and so I, yeah. I really like it for that reason yeah bakai sand spinner bakai sand spinner is just such a interesting card it'll be interesting to see like where it ends up in like the the power level like the overall scope of power level you know because it is a little bit pricey but of course it, it naturally flows into like the noxus synergies and the reputation synergies so it's just it's got a clear home that it wants to live in it's just about getting it there you know so i'll be really excited to see where that where that ends up uh in the grand scheme of things for sure yeah what's your number um, three my number three is uh going to be a landmark um 
if you guys are picking up on a trend here, um, it's not that I don't like uh, the units, like the, the creatures. It's just that you don't it's love the units. It's just that I've just been so impressed with the non-units in, yeah. in Shurima. Um, and so uh, this next one is Landmark. And, and darn it, if it is not one of multiple Landmarks that I love. I, I knew I wanted to include a Landmark on my list because they're, they've just been so awesome. But I, God, I couldn't decide which one. My initial instinct was to go Emperor's Deus because I really love token spawning, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think that that one's a, you know a lot more niche, right? And then I was thinking, well, Preservarium is just so good. And I was thinking, yeah, that's really cool, um, and I love the countdown thing there. But you know, maybe maybe that one is just very, it's very straightforward. I have got to go with the. I'm actually I don't have it in front of me. Crap. Uh, oh yeah, Ancient Preparations. Um, ancient preparations. I was blanking on the name. I was trying. I think I was going to say ancient machinations. That's not correct. Um, but ancient preparations oh, is one of yep. those interesting one landmarks mana, for me. It's that one yeah. mana predict, and then uh, after two turns, you get a two-two, which you can then use, of course, to do silly things. Right. Um, I think that while perhaps weaker, you know, than like. Pre- preservarium uh and weaker maybe than deus in the decks that deus wants to be in ancient preparations playing with this new predict synergy and then also having the ability for it to be a very strong one mana play that while you don't get instant value you actually get a two two when you probably need it a little bit more which is like on turn you know three so uh i've just been so impressed with it i love predicting on turn one because really hitting those early turns can be so crucial uh and because you don't have as many options in the low t- uh, low drop area in Sharima or really just units in general in Sharima you don't have a lot of options um you, you're really forced to kind of pick and choose depending on the the list that you're running in Sharima so it's really more important to get those uh consistently so if you are missing your two drop you can drop an ancient preparations and hopefully hopefully find one or find the champ you know you're going to need and more consistently do that. And then you'll still, you know, not completely lose out on board value. It's just an interesting card. And I think that's what drew, like draws me to it when I'm building a deck. I look at that and I say, you know, I can get behind this. I mean, even, even playing it later in the game, you still get a predict. Yeah, the 2 is not as important, but for one mana, you can still predict and predict is strong. Predict is very strong, and I definitely think that that card is well worth uh, the conversation, and I think it will continue to potentially see play as well, um, because it is, it's a very strong card. It's a very strong card and a very, very yeah. cool card. Um, really like that one. Okay, so uh, my next one is uh, my Expedition, my Expedition card, um, and I have come up against this card in Expedition. I played with this card in Expedition. It's a really fun card in Expedition, in my opinion, one of the only reasons reasons you want to dip into Sharima for expedition and that card is spirit fire um Ooh. spirit fire the seven mana burst um give grant all enemies minus two minus zero and round end deal two damage to me this round so they deal they deal two damage to themselves so it's like a one delayed one-sided avalanche that also saves your life and is it burst speed um this card in in normal play i don't know how good it is right i don't know that it's like oh my gosh this card's crazy and in, in standard 
standard, you know, constructed play. Um, but mm. it is very difficult to deal with um, and very, very, very strong in expedition because so often in expedition, it is so board centric in expedition, how you're going to win the game. And this can save your board and completely and totally ruin your enemy's board so easily <laughs> it is such a huge swing it can save you and destroy your entire enemy's board in some situations and if you can get this out on turn four oftentimes if you're playing against someone who's aggressive and you're just sort of sitting back holding your mana and not really playing much and you can get this down on turn four it can just be bonkers it can be really crazy can completely flip the game and uh in an expedition Oftentimes that game flip is all that you really needed. So yeah, that that's uh, I think that that that's my number two, or I'm sorry, my number three for sure. Spirit Fire, simply because I've been playing a lot of Expedition recently. Okay, what's yeah. your last non-champion card, uh, DBN? This is the only one that I knew for sure. Once you when like when you instantly like I uh, I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on there, guys. I was really excited about this uh, when. <laughs> When you told me what we were going to do, I instantly knew that this was going to be on the list. Okay. Um, and uh, it is just the card that I keep. I keep going back to it as we play with these Sharima cards. And I say, wow, every time I play it, I'm excited to play it. I'm excited to see how it interacts with my opponent. And I just feel like it is never... I'm never sad to see this in my opening hand, and I'm never necessarily sad to see it later in the game either. Uh, it's going to be Rock Hopper. Oh, I yes. think Rock Hopper is cool. I, th I think Rock Hopper is one of the most flavorful, exciting, and just overall, it is a unique and flavorful uh, card that I just love how it messes with the opponent's head. They just don't know how to deal with Roiling Sands when you drop it on curve. So many champions are three drops, and you want them on three. But the last thing you want on your champ is for it to be permanently vulnerable. Yes. It is one of the biggest disruptors. And it all comes down to your opponent knows it's coming, but they have to use like a burner creature to, to get rid of this uh, Roiling Sands. When I saw this at first, I said, that's cute. It'll probably be good for Talia. I, you know, when we were previewing it, I don't know how impactful it's going to be outside of it. And in fact, I've almost always run this in Shreema list now, just almost by default because of how crazy good it is at disrupting what the opponent wants to do. Now, that's not to say that it's a, a overpowered card. You know, I think that it's appropriately statted at 3-1. It can kill some things, but it dies to literally anything. Um, you know, the Roiling Sands can certainly be played around later in the game. You can just drop a burner, one drop down, or something that they didn't really care about anyways to make sure that whatever they drop now is going to be a lot more impactful. But the timing of this card matters. The impact of this card and the implications that having that landmark down makes both for landmark-related decks for shaped stone as a very, very powerful burst buff that I'm just like constantly impressed by plus three plus one. Come on, you know, and rock hopper enables it for you instantly and you get a good statted two drop with it. Um, all, all around love it. You know, just talking about 
design, just from a design aspect, uh, this card, it checks all the boxes for me. You know, it it's very thoughtful when you play it. It has impact. It's competitive, um, you know, but but it ceases to be something that really makes your opponent mad or triggered or upset when they run into it. Instead, they're forced to kind of step out of their comfort zone. You know, they're forced to say, hmm, how do I want to approach this? All the information's in front of me. It's not a, ooh, gotcha. It's a, huh, is 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 getting vulnerable, uh, you know, okay? You know, or is it worth losing the tempo uh, to make sure that the thing that I want to drop doesn't get that vulnerable tag, you know, for the rest of its lifespan? It just, it is really just delicately designed in in such a way that i i can't get enough of the card i i'm so impressed by the design of this card uh that i had to if i could if we weren't doing stream and champions this would be my number one overall it is my favorite designed card from the entire set so good hmm Okay, my favorite card from the entire set so far is a card that you actually mentioned earlier, but one that you did not pick. Um, it is my landmark of the set, and actually one that I haven't played with a ton, but one that I've played against a lot, and I think is just such a staple card. If I looked at Shirima and I said, what is the staple card of the set? This is kind of what my thought is. And, and it's probably not for everybody, but it is for me, and that's Preservarium. Um, yeah. The two-mana landmark, draw one, countdown two, draw one. Um, it's just the ability to burst through your deck. It's another one of those cards where I would want to go to Sharima simply for Preservarium um, because it is really reliable, kind of inexpensive, really great card draw. Um, I think it is... I, I just think it's a really good card. I think it's a really good form of two-mana card draw for this it reminds you a lot of you know glimpse um you know glimpse is going to draw you to you're going to get it pretty much instantly um but your opponent can interact with it um and you have to sack something in order to do it where this is saying yeah you're going to be able to interact with it potentially if you really want to spend mana to destroy this sure you can interact with it but i already got 50 percent of the value out of it just by playing it i'm going to get 50 of the value in a couple more turns the other 50 percent of the value so do you really want to try to destroy my landmarker is it going to be something else that you're going to want to use that, you know, destroy landmark? If in the rare occasion that you're running destroy landmark in your deck to begin with, which you probably, let's be honest, you're probably not. Um, and so I like that card a lot. I think Preservarium is my favorite card from Sharima overall. Um, and I think probably one of the subtle powerhouses of the set. Maybe not so subtle even. <laughs> it's really well, it's strong. Certainly, um it certainly pairs well with like predict. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, perfectly. I think it's designed to go with predict uh, as a way to, okay, let me set up the top card and then now I'm drawing it, you know? Yep. Um, and I, I do really think that that's a cool thing. It is, you know, it is glimpse without the cost, but delayed for that full value, you know? And it does take up a slot on your on your board. So I think it's just really, yeah, it's another card that is balanced uh, in such a way that it can be strong without feeling unfair. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's strong without feeling unfair. Okay, let's go to the champions then. What was your, uh, what's your favorite champion of the set? 
Well, I really like um, all five of these Shuriman champions, uh, even Sivir, which I thought at first I wasn't super impressed with, but I do like um, the leveled up version quite a bit. I, I think that that has gotten me a lot more interested. Um, so I think, you know, and I, I do really like Noxus. So the ability for Sivir to go in an Oxus list with the five power matter strategy um, is cool for me. Um, so I thought I was going to dislike Sivir, and I'm actually okay with Sivir. Um, all the rest of the champions, I've been very, very uh, in, much enjoying. But at the end of the day, if I have to pick a champion, it's going to be Azir. Azir is your favorite. Interesting. Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, I love Talia. Um, I just wish I could play her the way I want to play her, which is with the Rock Bears. Um, and while they can still win some games, like, you know, there's still matchups that that's that getting rock bears out and cloning rock bears and stuff is good. And, um, you know, right now she's tends to be slotted more into either Lysandra, which I think is a strictly worse version, in my opinion, of Lysandra. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or with Aphelios, which I think is probably not in, in my experience hasn't been as good as just playing zoe Aphelios and TF just really Aphelios, going all yeah. in on the folks so for me talia wants to be uh talia for me wants to be the leader of her own deck but in reality has become more of a uh sideshow in other people's decks i would agree so with that. um i love talia's design to death but in reality, when it comes to the champion that when I queue up, <clears throat> I say, wow, I'm really excited to have this champion. It's Azir. Um, Azir, to me, fulfills some of the um, token strategy fantasy that I get or had gotten in other games like Tessel, <coughs> excuse me, or Hearthstone, but haven't been able to get here. You know, being able to summon a bunch of things that I don't care about and, you know, continuously fill up my board slash the my attacking board um, without fear of losing things in bad trades. I don't care if my sand soldier gets a kill on something. Just the fact that it's blocking uh, means that my opponent is getting slowly whittled down in this kind of war of attrition. It feels like what i want out of an emperor that summons soldiers out of the ground you know they're they feel endless they feel um you know unrelenting uncaring uh merciless and so i just really enjoy um both the kind of role play aspect of commanding an army of sand soldiers but also the card itself is just been really impactful good at what it wants to do um definitely wants certain decks built around it i love the I think that it's perfect when it comes to getting it leveled up at 10 units. It feels like that perfect. Like, yes, you have to kind of either commit to playing a lot of things that clone themselves or some extra copies or whatever, or it's going to take time, but it's still doable. Um, and then the leveled up version, it's not oppressive, but it's still good. And it still forces or not forces, but still wants you to play in a kind of uh, a board spammy way. I like decks already. I already like decks that go really wide. Yeah. So getting able, you know, being able to do that and being able to leave Azir home and throw everything else in there uh, and summon, you know, things that don't matter. But also Azir's 
big uh, five defense feels really, really good in a, in a situation where I need to defend right now. I can throw him in there and he won't die uh, unless they play a follow-up card. And, and, you know, I'm even though I don't like seeing Azir go, I hate to block with Azir and have him die, uh, you know, without my opponent having to spend some extra resources. So love that about Azir. Uh, his level up animation is probably my favorite of all of the uh, uh, ascended guys. I really think Azir's is my favorite. Talia is my favorite in the entire set, I believe. I love her level up animation with her like zipping around on the on the sand dunes yeah, and stuff. That's really fun. Super cool. So Azir is just um is just great. And I've been even been playing a little bit of the Ascended stuff and getting to play with the Emperor's deck, and that's really fun. So that's wild. Um yeah, Azir just just straight up feels good, looks cool, feels cool. And I, I'm I'm all about how a card feels. You know, that that's a big factor to me in the fun side of things. For me and to enjoy the deck, it's gotta feel unique and thematic and so it's just it's become as i've become i guess more of a casual player less of a competitive player over this last year i have found myself you know gravitating more towards things that feel unique mm -hmm. and uh he checks that box for me nice nice okay well my favorite champion of the set was one that i honestly didn't expect to be my favorite champion i, I found him to be a little bit linear and not super uh, exciting at first but the deck that he went in got me excited and that is nasus um nasus is my favorite champ out of the shreemit champions also really liked talia and was honestly genuinely very excited for talia still think talia is very cool um but for the very similar reasons like i have found her to be a little lackluster when i'm actually playing her I don't think she's bad, um, mind you. I don't think that she's bad, but she, uh, just in the state of where the game is right now, is, is probably not super strong. Um, so I went with Nasus, and that is really because I love Kindred, and I love that he was paired with Kindred. It's not so much the Nasus, uh, you know, Tournament of the Dreadway deck. I don't care about that. Um, but the mm -hmm. Nasus Slay deck that wants him to play with Kindred, I think that Nasus also artwork-wise, and his unlevel-up form is my favorite artwork in Shurima right now. Um, he is so cool, and I've never found sort of like the Anubis-style uh, artwork to be cool at all. Like, I've never found that even appealing. I don't care about Nasus in League at all. think he's big and goofy and go sort of like, I don't know, he's just strange. I don't like him. Um, but I do like him in this, and I really love his level one artwork in this game. So Nasus was my favorite. Um, I think that what he does in the end is cool, and although, you know, Atrocity Finisher is probably a problem in the game, I actually don't mind him as the Atrocity Finisher, because you have to do a lot of work to level him up to the point where he can finish a game through Atrocity, at least a big chunk of someone's life, because you do have to build your deck around slaying stuff, and I love self-sacrifice like i love that theme that is in uh in yeah. inside SI. of si i love that theme in si and yeah, this too. this card sort of makes that gives that it gives that strategy a finisher before it was just like okay you just got to win the game by getting cursed keeper and ravenous butcher out on turn two and attacking right that's how you win the game with a self-sacrifice deck after that 
eh, ethereal remitter, different cards. Like, okay, maybe they're good, but they're not amazing. Um, with the Shadow Isles uh, inclusion of Kindred, which actually wants you to sacrifice your stuff, and then Nasus to end the game, um, just sort of completed that deck. I thought that I thought that they did a really good thing to give Shadow Isles a new direction of play that it had not seen before, or it had seen before but not been real strong. Um, I don't like the problems that there are with Nasus, but I love what Nasus did. Um, for Shadow Isles. So yeah, I'm I'm on board. And to be fair, I also love what Azir did with Shadow Isles because I love the Azir Hecarim deck. I think it's really fun. I haven't played it yet, but I think it's really, really fun. I think it's really a cool deck and I love anytime Hecarim sees play as well. So um, definitely a Shadow Isles fan and being a Shadow Isles fan, really love those uh, those two champs. Uh, but Nasus is going to take it for me. He's a big boy. Yeah. So Nasus is my number one. Very good, very good. I, I like Nasus too. I like Renekton. I know Renekton might be a little bit on the, you know, a little more on the weaker side, but certainly interesting ones, to yeah. play and combos well with the sort of uh, exhaust uh, vulnerable granting strategies with like in with rock hopper and stuff so it's fun to fun to play renekton fun to go and smash things with a giant alligator man so i think they did a great job with these champs and and uh you know just because we picked one uh, like i said I, I think we both have been very happy i mean i, I don't want to speak for you yeah. but i know just talking to you sharima has been such a breath of fresh air for for, for me and you know, I think as long um, as you're not playing on the top of the matter, the master's ladder, and you're just playing against, you know, TF Fizz right now, yes, that has been the case for a lot of people. Most people that I've talked to who have played lower rank casual players, Shreema's been great for us, for sure. Well, I think it's not, even if it's not like, you know, top tier strong, you know, I think that it's been very, very engaging. Mm -hmm. It's an engaging uh, play style and I think that you know the game is still going to be adjusting to the fact that Shreema seems to really want to play board centric which is what I've always wanted in this game is to for it to be more board centric and and you know Shreema whether it's through landmarks or through you know units and champions they all want that while Azir is some is somewhat of a sit back you know bench champ that's because everything else about him is attacking centric. Um, so it, it's even though he himself technically does is a bench champ most of the time, the play style built around him is is very much not that, you know. And I think that uh, we're going to be seeing. I, I hope, and I'm going to project that with the devs kind of knowing what they're doing, hopefully, um, that we're going to be seeing uh, some of those bench champs. Uh, get reduced in efficacy, you know, the twisted fates and Aphelioses and whatnot, because, and, and then when I think when that happens, we're going to see that natural progression and, and shift in uh, power over to the decks that Sharima can provide that really do care about the board and care about interacting with the board, engaging with the opponent in combat. Um, and those will perform quite a bit better. I, I, I think plus they'll get more cards soon. So I've just been Absolutely. really happy with with the Sharima faction as a new way to play, an engaging way to play, and of course it seems seemingly supporting the way that I want LOR to play in the first place. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, let's work our way out of here. Uh, I have a I have a quick closing thought, and then uh, and then we'll wrap up the show. And I thought I was already perfect. 
Okay, guys, my closing thought this week was just, uh, I am oftentimes dwelling or thinking about relationships. And, uh, you know, I've not been shy about the fact that my, uh, my wife and I, uh, my family are starting an online church that actually, uh, when this episode comes out, it will be that night. So if you want to come hang out with us, uh, 8.30 p.m. Uh, EST at uh, twitch.tv slash church will be our very first live stream experience service whatever you want to call it so we're really excited about that but in that i've been sort of thinking about relationships and sort of the power of relationships and uh, i'm engaging with a lot of people online right now right and it is easy to not think very highly of people that you engage with online we naturally make very, very quick assumptions about other human beings, right? When we first encounter somebody, we oftentimes jump to a whole set of conclusions. In fact, I'm the type of individual, I oftentimes don't make a very good first impression, especially if you're an introvert, because I'm so over the top in many situations and oftentimes can be very outgoing and sort of um, life of the party because I get a lot of energy by being in crowds. If you meet me in that environment and you're introverted, I'm very off-putting. Um, and so, but uh, the, the equally can be true of other people so when we engage with people online or when i engage with people online which like i said i'm doing a lot more these days especially when it's just over a text format or i've sent them a message and they haven't responded to me which is happening more and more recently um not because i'm messaging a lot of people just because i'm there's more people that i'm interacting with we can form really negative first impressions about people and online it's a lot easier and a lot less fair because we have a lot less context clues right at least when i meet you in person i get an idea of a little bit of like okay how are you dressed? What is your hair like? What's your general attitude? What does your voice sound like? How do you walk up to me? How do you engage with me? How do you greet with me? How do you greet me? Like if you're going to come up to me and you're going to sort of like be in my face and you're going to greet me and smash my hand intentionally to prove that you're strong, like I'm probably not going to like you as a person, um, at least not at first. Like you're not making a good first impression on me. But online, I don't get any of that. I have very, very little information. Um, and so this all comes around to my closing thought really is this. It's that Think the best of people by default. Think the best of people by default. Don't automatically assume the worst about someone. If you're a pessimist, you can be a pessimist in various aspects of your life without necessarily having to be a pessimist in the beginning of every relationship and immediately assuming the worst of that person. Because if you're a pessimist about every relationship and you assume the worst from the start, your online relationships are going to be horrible when they actually could be very fruitful and awesome and they could actually benefit your life significantly. So my, my closing thought is this, try to do your best to assume the best of someone and allow them to prove you wrong rather than assuming the worst of somebody um, and trying to get them and, and then, you know, maybe not even giving them the opportunity to prove you wrong, especially if it's in, in an online context. Um, it can be as simple as a word that was misspelled or a type of way that someone talks from a different part of the world than you were in that came off offensive to you, but they didn't mean it to be offensive. Um, so yeah, th that's a little convoluted, but I think it all goes back to like help helping to build like a good first impressions and giving people second chances and assuming the best of people. I, I think it's just a healthier and better way to live your life. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a default doesn't mean you shouldn't be cautious, but it, it there's exactly. definitely that side of things where, um, I, I find myself in this trap a lot where, where I am very defensive uh, and just kind of protective, you know, there's that, there's that 
inherent nature to want to protect yourself from, you know, any sort of, uh, whether it be a physical or social or emotional sort of damage, you know, it can often lead to situations where, uh, you miss out on something really great, uh, interpersonally, or potentially you end up doing damage by being closed off to someone else, Mm -hmm. um, and then feeling, you know, not welcomed or not uh, respected. So um, I think that, uh, that yeah, that's a really great point. Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, let's work our way out of here, DBN. If people wanted to get in contact with you, how would they go about doing that? Well, we, uh, we, we say this every week, and as much as I would love to say I have a new way for you guys to get into contact with me, I don't. It's still Discord. Um, still so you there. guys uh, can feel free to chat me up. Uh, within our discord community Uh, you can send me a private message if need be or of course uh, if you have something you posted that you're interested in in me seeing or if you just want to ask me a question and i you know any of the channels whether it's podcast discussion if you're a patreon you can at me in the patreon you know deck tech whatever anytime uh if you have a question about any of the decks or stuff we talk about here or just want me to look at something it really doesn't bother me if you ping me um, I, I, I promise you it doesn't annoy me. Uh, it's actually kind of exciting. So I, I'm happy to take a look at things. I may not get there right away because when I'm working, I, I really shouldn't be looking at my phone. Um, but, um, but yeah, I always enjoy when people share stuff with me. So if you have something that you want me to see or something you want to ask or anything, uh, don't be shy. Awesome. Awesome. If you want to find me, I am in that Discord as well. I'm also at twitch.tv slash the lift every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from about 8 a.m. until 11 a.m. EST. That might get cut back a little bit here as we get Lux Digital Church off the ground. Um, but you can also find me there. There is a Lux Discord, and you can find that in our Discord, or I'll just throw a link in the description of the show. If you want to come and check that out, you're welcome to check that out. I am on Discord pretty much all day, every day. Um, and the stream is approaching its 200 follower. Uh, milestone i don't know if that's a milestone um but we're almost at 200 followers so like i said if you like lor come and throw me a follow um and come say hello at some point whenever i'm live monday wednesday friday 8 a.m to 11 a.m est um would love to have you would love to have you and of course would love to have you in our live stream uh for our first live service this upcoming wednesday or when this releases later today uh in the evening 8 30 p.m est at twitch.tv slash lux digital church uh that's how you get a hold of me uh that's gonna do it for this episode thank you so much for listening and be sure to come back again next week thanks for listening to legends cast this episode was brought to you by listeners like you don't forget to join our discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts a special thanks goes out to all of our patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legends cast